and thank you for joining. My name is Donna Means. I'm your host for Church on the Real Real. That's R-E-E-L as in a multi-platform broadcasting and R-E-A-L as in having a true, genuine conversation. Today I want to talk about a bit of discipleship and evangelism. I'm going to start off with my personal testimony. Growing up, in the 1970s, going to church was mandatory, not option. I went to church every Sunday with a wish. Growing up in the 1970s, going to church was mandatory, not optional. I went to church every Sunday, whether I wished to or not. However, I did not look at it as a punishment. I went to all the church functions, including Sunday school and adult Bible study with my maternal grandmother. I was an usher and I sang on the choir. Even if children were not official members of the church, they were encouraged to participate in church activities. I particularly enjoyed singing on the choir. Every Sunday, churchgoers arrived early, gathering in the vestibules in the fellowship hall to greet one another. Everyone was friendly with one another. They wore their Sunday's finest, clutching tattered Bibles, housing dull-to-ear pages. They came equipped with notepads and pens so that they could make notes of the sermon's important points. The church services would be packed every week. Ushers would need to add folding chairs in the middle of the aisles for more seating. Speakers were added to the fellowship hall and the choir rooms so that the parishioners who could not be seated in the sanctuary would be able to listen to the sermon. There was a steady flow of new believers joining the church. Our local assembly was kind and caring, but I would avoid my weekly interrogators who would always ask the same questions. They would repeat the pastor's fire and brimstone sermons, which warned that those who did not accept the gift of salvation would be doomed to the lake of fire. The pastor made accepting salvation appear simple. He would explain how the gift of salvation was free and all we had to do was accept it. It would be our lifeline. The consequences of not accepting it meant eternal damnation. My interrogators would reiterate this time-sensitive offer. I was under a lot of pressure, but I resisted it. My decision was of a paramount importance to me, but only I could make it. It happened when I was in the choir loft. The Lord communicated with me directly. I still remember the warmth and the love I felt when the Lord spoke with me. No, it was not audible. Rather, it was more like a prompting in my spirit. I felt safe and secure. I left the choir loft to surrender everything to him. I had a basic understanding of salvation when I declared Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus' love for me was so strong that he offered his life. Now I'm reconciled with God. God has sealed me, marking me as his own, giving me the Holy Spirit as a deposit 
of eternal life. I knew nothing could ever separate me from his love. I was baptized when I was eight years old. Over the 40 year span, there has been a dramatic shift. According to the research performed by the Bonham Group, this shift has impacted church globally. In 2021, the Barnum Group published an article entitled Missions in Review, Trends Impacting Global Missions and Evangelism, highlighting results of the survey on the Great Commission. The survey consisted of 1,004 people. The survey consisted of 1,004 participants. According to the data, only 17% of churchgoers knew what the Great Commission was. The remaining churchgoers, 51%, were mostly unaware of it, with a quarter, 25%, admitting to knowing what it was, but not being able to remember its definition. Statistically speaking, evangelism is down due to ineffective training universally. Let's examine some of the statistics from the study. People within the study are placed in one of the four categories. Elders, Boomers, Generation X, and Millennials. So those that have heard and remember the Great Commission 29% of the elders, 26 of the boomers, 17% of Generation X, and 10% of millennials. Those who had heard of can't recall the definition of the Great Commission, 13% of elders, 16% of boomers, 24% of Generation X, and 41% of millennials. Identifying the Great Commission from a list correctly. 43% of the elders, 42% of the boomers, 41% of Generation X, and 34% of the millennials. Do not know about the Great Commission at all. 48% of the elders, 56% of the boomers, 53% of the Generation X, and 41% of millennials. According to the burn, according to Barnum's study, Generation Z, that's the children of Generation X, and Millennials believe and act differently from older Christians when it comes to evangelism with significant percentages of Millennials who identify as practicing Christians, specifically opposing it. However, the local church is a partner in this effort with young people who do want to share their faith with others. Recently, research found in Christian Generation Z youths between the ages of 13 and 18 are open to discussing their faith with non-Christians, according to the magazine Reviving Evangelism in the Next Generation, which was founded in collaboration with Alpha USA. The majority 47% respond that their church has certainly done an excellent job in preparing them for having these kind of religious conversations. When asked if their faith community had prepared them for spiritual debates, 
only 2% disagreed. Many Christian teens, 68%, still report that they have never received training specifically for evangelism, with another 13% reporting that they have are not, are not sure. Many Christian teens, 68%, still report that they have never received training specifically for evangelism, with another 13% reporting that they are not sure even though most believe that their church has done a decent job of preparing them to discuss their faith. 47% margin of error of 47% to 39%. Many Christian teens, 68%, still report that they have never received training specifically for evangelism with another 13% reporting that they are not sure even though most believe their church has done a decent job of preparing them to discuss their faith. Even among individuals who are actively discussing their beliefs with non-Christians, this is true. In total, 19% of Christian youth have received this type of training, but among those who have recently had a faith talk with a non-Christian, that percentage rises to 23%. Now, whether you believe the credibility of these surveys or not, it is a critical factor to consider the discipleship. Or whether or not you believe in the credibility of these surveys or not, it is an important factor to consider when performing discipleship. Are congregations being church or discipled? Let me clarify what I mean. Church is when we educate people on church etiquette, basic Christian theology, and the available ministries at that particular local assembly. Discipled are those being taught how to live Christ-centered lives, learning how to study the Bible for themselves, practicing spiritual disciplines to deepen their connection with Christ and are being trained on how to evangelize to others. The Great Commission mandates discipleship. The Great Commission is found in the last chapter of Matthew. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus is giving his last set of instructions to the disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this passage, Jesus' first statement was that he had been given all authority in heaven and in earth. As a result, the disciples were placed under his authority. Then he gives the disciples what appears to be an insurmountable assignment. They were instructed to go worldwide and make disciples. On their earlier miss missions, on earlier missions, 
on earlier missions, the disciples were only to share the gospel with Jewish communities. From this point on, they would preach across the globe to everyone. Jesus not only supplies the immersion formula for baptism, but he affirms the unique attribute of God's existence, the Trinity. When he explicitly instructs new converts to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Additionally, it's imperative that the new converts be taught to obey everything that Jesus had commanded of the disciples. Jesus ends with the promise that he would be with them always, even until the end. In Acts 1-4, we learn the Holy Spirit would be Jesus' presence that would never leave them. I want to emphasize that at the time that Jesus gave the Great Commission to the 11 disciples, they had been walking with him and studying with him for three years. They had gone on missions with Jesus by their side. They had equipped them to spread the gospel. They add the added emphasis the added emphasis is necessary because I have seen and experienced people with good intentions to spread the gospel, but were poor ambassadors. What made them poor ambassadors? It was a combination of them imposing their personal biases, ignorance of the scripture, and understanding their role as an ambassador of Christ. For example, I was out with a friend one day having lunch. Upon us completing our meal and paying for a tab, we stopped at the restroom to freshen up. Upon leaving the restroom, we were stopped by a wannabe evangelist. She expressed her concern for our souls. She asked if we knew Jesus. We both acknowledged that we did. She then said that in order for us to get into heaven, we needed to rid ourselves from the spirit of gluttony or we would not be able to enter the gates of heaven. My friend and I looked at one another, then looked at her, but we walked away without saying a word. Now I do need to let you know that I am obese, so was my friend, regardless to that this was inappropriate behavior. Fortunately, I did not feed into her negativity, but it was evident that if she was doing this to us who were in Christ already, she was doing to other people. Another example, there was a woman equipped with tracks offering people the opportunity to accept Jesus at a bus stop. The problem was she was making an assumption that everyone knew who Christ was. At the same bus stop, there was a different woman who persistently tried to get people to accept Jesus. When they would reject, she would damn them to hell. As ambassadors, 
it is our duty to share the good news. We are messengers. We do not know what plans God may have for that individual. We should not make assumptions regarding their where they will spend. We should not make assumptions regarding where they will spend eternity. What we should do is pray that they have another opportunity to accept Christ. Jesus never instructed his disciples to chasten, degrade, or threaten anyone with eternal damnation if they didn't believe. In Matthew 10, Jesus told the disciples to evangelize exclusively to Jewish population. They had been granted the power by Jesus to expel demons and cure all illnesses and diseases. Jesus gave the following advice in Matthew 10, 14. Shake the dust off your feet and leave that home or town if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words. It was a sign of the, their separation from Jews who had rejected their Messiah. This gesture was intended to make the people aware that they were choosing poorly and that there might not be another chance to accept Christ. The gospel is not something we force on people as ambassadors. We are to move on if the person with whom we are sharing the gospel with are not receptive. Although not all of us are called to be evangelists, we all have gifts that we can utilize to further the Great Commission. If we can find solace in the fact that knowing Jesus is constantly with us as we obey, I would encourage you to read the scriptures for yourself. There's also been some false teaching about Matthew 10 where people are saying Jesus was racist because he didn't want to share the gospel with the Gentiles. What the people that are making this statement don't realize because they haven't studied further enough is that it wasn't the time for the Gentiles to receive the message. It was first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And that's what happened just before Jesus left. He gave the assignment that all would receive the good news. So be careful if you're a new believer on the things that you see on social media. Make sure that you're studying the word of God for yourself. Make sure that you're seeking your spiritual advisors for things that you don't understand and get knowledge from reputable sources. For those of you that are actively going out performing street ministry and sharing your faith, I applaud your efforts and I encourage you to continue to do so. But please do so in love. That's all I have for you today. I hope that you find this podcast beneficial and I hope that you will return next week for another podcast every Monday 8 p.m. Thank you for tuning in and God bless.